0: Okay, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Conversations with Jeff. As you know, for the last uh, week or so, we've been putting out a new podcast every day. Um, you know, last week we had some great guests, Michael Schuer, uh, Cal Beisner, Sam Jones, Jerry Wayne. Um, you know, in this week we've got another great lineup. Uh, t- uh we've got our today today's guest, which I'm going to introduce to you here in a second. Tomorrow we've got JD Rucker, uh, from the Knock Report. Um, and just really excited about all these guests that we've been having. A lot of great conversations. Most of us are, you know, stuck at home. And so this is just a great opportunity to, you know, keep your mind going, new, new topics, new, new people, new conversations. Um, just a quick reminder as well. We do have our membership program here at the GK called Plugged In. Um, and, uh, it's 10 bucks a month. And then you're going to get access to the recording of our Destroy Social Justice conference that we put on a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you're going to have, uh, talks from both Sam and I from the Stand Against Marxism conference. Uh, we'll be in there exclusively for, uh, for members as well, you guys can get 30% off in the store, uh, our weekly devotional that goes out via email, um, and then uh, as an added perk, if you sign up for the annual membership where you pay for the year up front, you'll, you'll save some money there, but then also you're going to get a copy of the book, Social Injustice, that we put out uh, absolutely free, so if you guys sign up for that, I'll get that right out to you, we can kind of go from there, um, so just wanted to let you guys know about that right off the bat. Uh, really excited about uh, today's show. Uh, we're bringing back uh, Dr. Mike Spalding uh, for the second time here on Conversations. But it's it's always a pleasure to have you on, Mike, and uh, glad we could sit down. And again, as as always, we'll just see how the conversation goes. <laughs>
1: it's, you Jeff, it is. It's always a blessing and a pleasure to chat with you, and we we'll always have some interesting conversations.
0: Oh yeah, totally. You know, and, and I if, if feel like that's that's one of the fun things. You know, especially like have, having you you know on the show. You know, because we had. You on last time with Conversations with Jeff, then we also had you speaking for uh, the Destroy Social Justice uh, conference as well. And I always feel like you, you bring a unique perspective, but it's always, again, rooted in Scripture, rooted in truth, and I feel like that's that's really what we need now today
1: more than ever. Oh, isn't that the truth? We need to be reminded of the veracity of the, the uh, inerrant, infallible Word of God. We need to turn to the Father and remember who we are in Christ. That's what's lacking today, Jeff, in a a large measure, is who we are in Christ. Our identity is in Christ, and, and therefore, we can be bold and courageous and not given to fear. Because, boy, is that being peddled today all over the place. Fear is the number one topic today.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I kind of want to, you know, dive into that a little bit, uh, really quick as well. But before we do, uh, we do have, um, an announcement that, that we were going to be, uh, bringing up here on the show, which kind of ties into all this stuff with dealing with, you know, being rooted in scripture and things like that. Uh, but we're going to be here on the GK Podcast Network. We're going to be putting on a brand new, uh, monthly show, uh, called Ask Dr. Mike. Uh, which is gonna be a fun Q&A show uh, with uh, with you where, you know, audience members can submit questions, you'll answer them. And I'm really excited that we're gonna, you know, have you on the network, but really excited to, you know, hear your answers to everybody's questions, which, again, it's gonna be a great, uh, great new show that I think is gonna be a lot of fun as well.
1: Yeah, and and I appreciate the invitation, Jeff, to to do this show with you, so thank you for that. And I think uh, GKers are going to be blessed and they're going to be encouraged. Um, So let me set a little bit of context in in my thinking about this show is um, the intent, brothers and sisters, is not to uh, be argumentative. Uh, The intent is not to... Um Criticize people who may have uh different views on on doctrinal things um, the intent I know jeff's heart it certainly is my heart The intent is to simply answer some questions that you might have uh, and and give all the perspectives if there are other perspectives on them then I do this from the pulpit, Jeff. I'll state what I believe the Scripture says, and I'll give now, some people think that it says this, and that it says this, and so you give the the alternate views, the optional views that you might not hold, and I think that's important for the body to understand. Listen, this is what the Scripture says. This is what I believe that it's saying. Other people have these views. It doesn't mean that they're heretics necessarily. Now, there are there are passages of Scripture where the teaching is clear, I believe, and we can all arrive at a consensus that this is what it means. But we'll leave room for charity. We'll leave room for grace. This isn't about belittling anyone. It's about answering people's questions. And And one other thing, Jeff, I think this show is important because a lot of times believers won't go to their pastor and ask these questions because they don't want to be thought of in a certain or particular way by their pastor. They won't go to their church leadership and ask. They feel a lot freer asking people like us on a platform like this. And the question, listen, the, the questioner will be anonymous. We're not going to say, well, so-and-so from such and such a place is, no, no, we're not going to do that either. We're going to simply answer the questions as, as clearly and concisely doctrinally and theologically as we can. So I'm excited about it, Jeff.
0: Yeah, me too. I, I, I'm re- I'm really excited just to like cuz you know, I'm going to be, you know, essentially the moderator and just asking you the questions and it's going to be it's going to be fascinating just to like, you know, pick your brain to a certain degree on a lot of these a lot of these issues cuz I feel like there's there's a lot of things that can be confusing out there. And especially because there are so many different teachings out there and you know, some of it is false teaching. Some of it is just differences of opinion and a lot. And I think that that can be confusing to a lot of people. And it's even confusing to me trying to wade the waters of like, okay, this pastor says this, this pastor says this, but they're both looking at the same passage. How do we correlate those differences? And I, that's one of the reasons why I'm really excited to have you on and, you know, be doing the
1: show. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a, it's going to be a fantastic, uh show and and i'm thankful that the lord has has raised us up for such a time as this because there's a lot of confusion out there and so i hope we can clarify and dispel some of the confusion that's out there that's that is the aim and the goal amen totally agree you
0: know and, and i feel like that that to me is one of the main my one of my main motivations for like the gk podcast network in general is just let's just get more information out there answer questions uh, really tried to wade the waters of what's true and what's false, and I feel like today, kind of like what you were saying before in in the intro as well, is there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of different information being thrown out there. Even dealing with like coronavirus, dealing with what how churches should be handling a lot of these things, you know. And I feel like that might be a good place to start with our conversation today is. There's a big debate going on right now within Christianity of dealing with how do churches respond to the coronavirus? Because you have some pastors that are saying that if if the government is doing a shutdown, we we still should not forfeit uh, our our quote unquote right to congregate and come together, and we shouldn't like we shouldn't be staying home. We should still be going to church. And then there's the opposite side of saying, well, we need to submit to authority because of something like Romans 13, which says that we should be submitting to authority in all things. So how, how do we as Christians kind of weigh the, weigh the, the tip the scales on trying to figure out how should, how should the church be responding to the coronavirus and should we be gathering in, in, in person in church on Sundays?
1: Yeah. So g- great questions. Um, so let me stir the pot right off the bat and and say this, um, the common interpretation and application of Romans 13 today is a misinterpretation, a misapplication of that text. It doesn't say what most Christians say that it says, and in my opinion, it is a convenient excuse that people... Christians hide behind when they have an opportunity to be bold for Christ but it makes them nervous to do so and so they would rather hide behind something like Romans 13. There's enough material research, biblical interpretation, good scholars out there that have debunked this whole thing that well, if the government tells us then we should obey we should know better than that, first of all. Secondly, In the United States of America, I remind you again, folks, we are a constitutional republic. Now, some say, yeah, we're that in name only because in practice, that's not how it works. And I I could not argue that point, certainly. However, because we are a constitutional republic, let me remind you, brothers and sisters, we are the government. We are the government. They sit in Washington, D.C. by our leave. They're supposed to be representing us. And so when they do things that are unconstitutional, that the constituent, those governed, they are, we are the governed by consent. When they do things that we don't agree with, we have the right, the privilege and the moral responsibility To speak up and say something. This is a perfect example, Jeff, of such a time as that. So my viewpoint, based on everything I've just said and more, is that you need to follow conscience. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? You may be pastoring or part of a congregation and they're elderly. There, there are churches out there that a, a vast majority of the congregation is elderly you may decide I'm not going to risk exposing this elderly congregation and I'm going to do a live stream I'll go to the church and I'll teach live stream and put it out there and they can still be fed and they can still be encouraged that's fine I'm not going to criticize anybody for doing that but I choose to continue to meet now the governor in the state that I live, Jeff, he gave a press conference again yesterday. I listened to the whole thing. A reporter tried to pin him down on the question of churches meeting. And he once again affirmed that churches are exempt from these orders that are being put out. Stay at home. Only go out for what is necessary, essential um essential supplies or medical treatment, whatever the case might be. But again, he reaffirmed churches are exempt from this, but he did encourage us to use common sense. So what I've told the fellowship is this. If there is any concern whatsoever about this current virus, please stay home. Do not feel like, uh, do not allow guilt or shame or any of those things that come on because you've chosen not to be with us. Don't do that. You follow the leading of the Holy Spirit for you. I'm following the Holy, the leading of the Holy Spirit as the pastor and the shepherd of this fellowship and I will be there and I will be teaching the Word of God and we won't miss a beat. So that's my instruction for those in the midst of this. And, and, and let me say this. I'm, I'm using this word, Jeff, instead of pandemic, I'm using this panic demic panic demic because that's what's going on today our media they are in lockstep pushing this narrative the end of the world is coming upon us if we don't do this and and self regulate and 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 social distance and, and all of the i'm amazed at some of these phrases jeff that have come into our vocabulary today it's, it's just amazing to watch. But if we don't do this, the end of the world is going to come upon us. Folks, that is nonsense. It is utter foolishness and nonsense. The end of the world is not coming upon us. Don't buy in. That's fear porn. People are calling it fear porn. Justifiably so. So this whole question about should we meet as a church, I think pastors should follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. There is not one carte blanche template by which we'll all fit into. Your situation is going to be different wherever you are your congregation is going to be different you follow the leading of the holy spirit be faithful to the lord that we serve and you won't go wrong that's a long-winded answer to your question jeff but then i'm a pastor so you expect that right yeah exactly it it, it
0: comes it comes with the territory uh but 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 i i think that one one concern that i think that we're seeing right now in our country Is, is this idea of the government is overstepping, is overstepping its bounds in a lot of different areas. And I feel like we see this to a certain degree in every single time there's a crisis, there's an overreaction. And, and a lot of times that overreaction is not just a temporary overaction, it then comes into place in a permanent issue. We saw that with a lot of the school shootings. The left was trying to push permanent gun control. And we saw this after 9-11 with the Patriot Act. There's, there's certain things where they come in, they take away our, our rights little by little every single time there's a crisis. And one of the things that I'm concerned about right now is I feel like the, the, I, I get the, I get the government's response right now and saying everybody stay home because we're trying to buy time until we can get medication or a vaccine or, you know, whatever that might be. But my concern is what's going to happen after the crisis. So if we've already crossed these bounds and stopped people from the right of assembly now, is that could that turn into a permanent thing? You know, we saw the DOJ come in with uh, with asking for the, the right to arrest people and forego their constitutional rights of due process like that. That was a permanent request. Like I feel like we're seeing our rights slowly being taken away. So then as believers, is that something we need to be concerned about? Is that something we need to do something about? How do we respond to that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You're you're spot on, Jeff. That is exactly uh, how our government – not just our government, but every government on the face of the earth, they do that. I think it was Rahm Emanuel that coined the phrase, never let a good crisis go to waste – and and that's exactly what we're seeing put into action today so I had posted something the other day so in the midst of this panic the world's coming to an end we're all going to die it's business as usual in Washington D.C. so the Democrats are trying to shove through H.R. 5717 perhaps you've seen this if passed H.R. 5717 Jeff this is to your point would create a nationwide gun registry, ban almost all semi-automatic rifles, institute a federal magazine ban, implement national red flag gun seizure laws, and that one should send chills down your, your spine. And this is why, folks. These national red flag gun seizure laws, if the government deems that you're a threat, they believe they should have the right to forcibly take your firearms away from you. Well, what 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 circumstances would dictate that? If you've ever been prescribed any kind of um, psychiatric drugs, if you've ever underwent any psychiatric or psychological treatment, they're going to start calling through your medical records and try to come up with a reason why you shouldn't be allowed to have guns. That's that's just one example. So these red flag gun seizure laws tax guns at 30% and ammo at 50%. You know what that would do to, and this is the point, to gun manufacturers and ammunition manufacturers? That's what they want to do. They want to tax them or legislate them out of business. It would... Ban patriots under 21 years old from exercising their Second Amendment rights. Now think about that, folks. We'll send these young men and and ladies off to war and they can die defending our freedoms and liberties at 18, 19, and 20, but they can't have a gun personally. Ration guns by making it illegal to purchase more than one firearm in a 30-day period. Why would the government, why would we allow the government to tell me how many guns I can buy in a 30-day period? Force safe storage requirements on gun owners. Ban home builds. Ban suppressors. So people that assemble, make the components in pieces and pieces and at home, illegal. Force all of the federally licensed gun sellers and manufacturers to spend massive amounts of money to comply with new security requirements. Expand gun-free zones. That's just the start. So in the middle of our panic demic the world's coming to an end it's business as usual and to your point jeff once they push this and push this and push this and this is all listen folks it's easily explainable this is all part of the hegelian dialectic praxis or process you you introduce a situation you through group peer pressure and conformity you move to a new consensus and then you just repeat the steps And over time, this is Fabian socialism, over time you get people where you want them. In America, under the politicians that we have today, especially in the Democratic Party, they want us subservient to the government, dependent completely upon the government for sneezing. They want us to ask them for permission to do everything. This thing has gotten turned on its head They are our servants, not vice versa. And so that's exactly right. We saw that, Jeff, in the Patriot Act, which, by the way, if folks out there that have joined us today, Jeff, they think for a second that if the Republicans can just control the House, then we'd have Trump in the White House. We would have the Senate in Republican hands and the Congress in Republican hands. We can right the ship. Well, i got to tell you something, folks. We've seen that a number of times, and we're still going down the wrong path. The answer is not Republican control. They're just a shade different from the rest of them, in my opinion. The answer is for patriots and Christians to get a backbone and stand up and push back hard and say, no, you will not. And I mean sustain that sustain that not by sending an email saying well we don't agree with what you're doing. no it may trade it may take numerous trips to Washington DC in force and to our local politicians district offices to press our point. Now they'll try to stop us from doing that Jeff because they'll use intimidation. Well if you're dis- if, if, if if you're disorderly then we may have to arrest you well then arrest me because you can't arrest us all. You don't have room and you're letting prisoners go now in the midst of this pandemic. You're going to arrest us for telling you to do your job. I don't think so. So anyway, again, a long-winded answer in response Jeff, but you're absolutely right. They move the the shell, the shell, the shell until they get us where they want us and we're in the process of getting moved to where they want us. Now's the time to rise up, folks. I encourage you to do that. Yeah.
0: Well, and I, and I feel like historically too, Conservatives and Christians in general have always been on the defensive. And I feel like when you're always on the defensive, you're always going to be losing ground because you're trying to hold back the offense, right? And, you know, it's like a good football analogy. It's like, you know, you you know, they may gain a yard here, three yards there, five yards there, get a first down, whatever it is, but it's always that gradual headache pushing you back, you're back on your heels. And I feel like now might be that time where we do need conservatives and Christians to really step up and be on the offensive, and actually push back, not just always reacting to what the the left is saying, not always just reacting to what the Democrats are saying, but actually putting forth freedom, liberty and the constitutional perspectives and actually trying to push back the opposite direction. And I feel like that's really what we need today more than ever, instead of just always just reacting to what the left is saying. I feel like that's kind of our weakness right now as conservatives and Christians.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you, Jeff. It's almost so to, to further your analogy Folks, we could see this time in which we live. We're on a goal line stand. We are on a goal line stand. And listen, the field, it's not level. We're not on a level playing field. The field is tilted like this. We're defending the goal line. If they cross the goal line, it's game over. It's time for Christians and patriots, those who love freedom, to rise up and say, we can't allow this to go on anymore. Now... I'm going to reach behind me and, and and grab something off my shelf, Jeff, because sure. it just occurred to me. I, I had the local, the local county sheriff. Um, he was in office for 16 years. Good Christian man, a friend of mine. He, he was out not long ago, and we were having a chat, and uh, and he mentioned something to me. And I said, "Man, I'd like to get that quote." Well, the next day he brought me this this quote out. So I want to show uh, those who have joined us today. Yeah, and i right here. I've got it right here, and I'll hold it up and see if folks can read it. This is a quote from Stephen F. Austin. He was the founder of the Texas Rangers. And and the Texas Rangers back in the day, folks, they were some tough dudes. They were some tough dudes. Here's the quote in case you didn't see it. When asked about the qualities he was looking for in a Texas Ranger, Stephen F. Austin responded, a compassionate man who is capable of great violence. Now, some of you out there may think, wow, that's really inconsistent. Well, I ask you to consider this. How is it inconsistent? Where in the scriptures can you show me? where we are instructed to lay down and let the destroyer completely ravage our nation, completely ravage our children, completely ravage our families. Where in the scriptures are we instructed just let them do whatever they want to do? Because I'll tell you, it's not there. We are to be men and women of truth of courage. In fact, the scripture says courage exalts Christ. Courage in the face of evil, in the face of danger. Listen, Christians need to understand that when it comes down to it, when it hits the fan, are you going to stand for Christ and push back? Or are you going to just let them run right over you, kill you, kill your family, and capture this nation? Well, I know on what side of the equation... I'm falling, and I'm not advocating for anything. I know in whom I have believed, and I know who is leading me, and I know what the Scripture says, folks. We can push back, and we can do so with great passion, and we should. Here's here's another quote that same sheriff gave me, Jeff, and this is from Sun Tzu. This was very interesting to me. And I just saw, and maybe I'll share a, a, an illustration, just saw this in action. So Sun Tzu, for those of you who are not familiar with him, great military strategist, his military strategies and, and, and doctrines of war are still taught today, even in the U.S. war colleges, still taught today. Here's here's what, here's what the quote, that, that, and this was from 300 B.C., folks. This goes back a ways. So, so here's what Sun Tzu said. He said, If words of command are not clear and distinct, if orders are not thoroughly understood, the general is to blame. But if his orders are clear and the soldiers nevertheless disobey, then it is the fault of their officers. What's the point, Mike? Pastors are the officers. Do you clearly understand the orders of the Lord Jesus? Because if the people in your charge, those in your congregation, those in your local fellowship, they do not understand the clear teaching of the scriptures, you are responsible, pastor, shepherd, bible study leader, ministry leader. The converse, the flip side is also is also true. If people are off the rails with all kinds of faulty theology, whether it's LGBT, whether it's social justice, whether it's socialism, any of these things, if folks are off the rails on this, it's on your head. You have a responsibility to teach them the word of God and to guide them in their thinking. And here's what I know. Two things are going to happen. If you consistently teach the word of God to people, Jeff, this is what will happen. They will learn and they will grow in their love and their faithfulness to the Lord, or they will go, because they're not going to sit under the the clear teaching of the Word of God consistently. And so we have a responsibility to stand in the gap. Who will stand in the gap for me, the Lord says. Well, I will. I'll stand in the gap. We have a responsibility to do that, brothers and sisters. And because pastors haven't, because they've been spineless for so long, churches have fallen by the wayside and they've become, well, little more than social clubs today, Jeff. Yep. And that must grieve the father's heart. I'll give, I'll give you an opportunity to.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, well, you know, and and I think, and I think something that, you know, we need to consider as well, just going along with what you were just talking about is that for the longest time, um, a lot of mainstream evangelical churches have really been pushing this idea of like pietism and that there needs to be the separation between church and state. And I know uh, Pastor Sam Jones is talking about this uh, quite often as well on his show and in his writings and things like that. Um, but I think that, that that's going to be a lot of the reason why we're in the place that we're in right now is because Christians in general have been called off and the the quote-unquote good guys the people that are actually studying God's word the people that are actually legit solid biblical christians are not involved in politics because it's been re- it's been reinforced that we just have to focus on the theological we just have to focus on the quote-unquote gospel and then but whatever happened to shining light into darkness and one other point i wanted to make as well is that uh, like for example people will look at romans 13 and act as if that means that we're just supposed to submit to the government no matter what they say, no matter what they tell us. But the thing that those very same people will also make the point that we have to compare scripture with scripture, that we have to look at the entire context of the Bible. Well, if you're going to look at the entire context of the Bible, let's take a look at the Old Testament. Clearly, the Old Testament, the believers at that time, you know, believers in the one true God, were very active in politics we're overthrowing governments we're overthrowing evil evil dictators that were that were set up as kings they were doing that so if we're going to look at compare Romans 13 with the Old Testament we have to figure out how does that correlate how does that line up how does that match up if both of those are true and both of those are God ordained what does that actually mean we can't ignore the Old Testament in favor of the new it's they, they have to mesh together. We have to figure out how God, what God's actually trying to say. And I feel like that's what we're missing
1: today. Yeah, for sure, Jeff. And uh, let me remind folks. People say, well, Jesus wasn't involved in, in politics. And it's like, you've just demonstrated your biblical illiteracy by one statement. Let me remind you that Jesus had the most scathing rebukes. For the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the scribes. Who were those three groups? Well, together they comprise what is called the Sanhedrin, which was Jewish, religious, and civil law. The Sanhedrin, Jewish, excoriated those guys. He was always telling them, you guys are are author... The best exchange that I love, I just love this exchange. It's found in Mark chapter 12, because the Sanhedrin had gotten together and they devised this plot. We're going to go after Jesus. And so the first wave was the Pharisees and the Herodians. Now, that's comical in itself. The Pharisees, and I bet Jesus, when he saw them coming, Jeff, he probably just shook his head because he thought, "Okay, here we go again, because the Pharisees and the Herodians folks, they hated each other. The, the Pharisees were, were, the, were the strictest legalists of the law, and the Herodians were the... So the Pharisees were modern-day conservatives, and the, and the Herodians were the liberals. They hated religion, but they loved Rome. So they were partnering with Rome. But guess what? Jesus was their common enemy. So here they come together, and, and, and their trick, they thought it was foolproof. They thought it was foolproof. Here's their trick. Hey, should we pay the tax or not? Because they thought, well, if Jesus says we should pay the tax, the people are going to be upset with him, and then they'll listen to us again, so we'll win. But if he says we in, shouldn't pay the tax, then the Herodians were going to run to Rome and say, Jesus is an insurrectionist. He's trying to upset the people and tell them they shouldn't obey Rome. So what Jesus say? says, is, show me a coin. They showed him the coin. Whose inscriptions on it? Well, it's Caesar? Then give it to Caesar. It belongs to Caesar. But here's the clincher. Whose image is in you? That must have stunned the Pharisees and the Herodians. You're so worried about following these rules and regulations, you don't even father God. You don't even follow follow the fathers. The Father's image is in you. Then they sent the Sadducees. The Sadducees came to him with a question about the resurrection. Hey, there's a there's a woman. Who, her husband died, and then the next brother married, and the next brother married, and the next brother married. And whose wife will she be in the resurrection? And it says it right in Scripture. It says the Sadducees, who didn't believe in the resurrection, came to Jesus and asked him a question about the resurrection. I love that because here's, here's the exchange. Here's my point. Hey, I'm a pastor, so I'm going to ramble, guys. Here's the point. Here's the point. Jesus said, is this not why you are ignorant of the scriptures and you don't know the power of God? Folks, that's the problem with people who throw Romans 13 out there like it's some kind of dragnet that covers all their problems and we just got to bow the knee to government. Is this not the issue that you are ignorant of scripture And the power of God in it. Romans 13 says that you should obey the governments when they are God's ordained governments. And how will you know they're God's ordained governments? Because it says they are a servant for what? Good. They reward good. They punish evil. Now, folks, I don't think I need to argue the point that our government is actually upside down. It rewards evil, and it punishes good. Don't talk to me about Romans 13. It is not applicable by the qualifications of the text itself. I'm so tired of hearing people throw that out there, Jeff. Well, I'm not going to come to church, and I don't think you should be going to church either because the government said we shouldn't. When does the church allow the government to dictate anything to us? When? We shouldn't. If we're in those days, then we need to go deep underground and continue to disobey them.
0: Yeah. Well, you know. over. Yeah. Well, Well. and again, I, f- I feel like it's one of those things like even if we're going to take their premise that Romans 13 means that we just need to be good citizens, submit to the government, things like that. I feel like there's even then not being consistent because here in America, it's a government by the people for the people. So we are the government right? Yes. Like each of us has a vote. Each of us has a voice. So in that instance, the government is supposed to be our servant, not the other way around in the way that our country is set up. So thus, if we're good citizens, we'll actually be promoting good and calling out the government when they are promoting evil. Like, let's just even take their own logic. They're not even lining up with their own logic. They're acting like we're under a dictatorship or that we're underneath a king When it's the complete opposite. And I feel like that's part of the problem. It's like they don't even understand our own governmental structure to understand how that fits in with their interpretation of Romans 13.
1: And they're, and they're, and they're, they're horribly inconsistent, Jeff. Try this one on. Women should not teach men in the church. Women should keep silent in the church. Women should have their heads covered in the church. My guess is, that the people that use Romans 13 would disagree with every one of those things. It's like, you cannot cherry-pick. Stop cherry-picking the Scriptures. It's what its message is. It is consistent and applicable. So let's get it right, folks, and let's stop hiding behind things, and let's be the people of God that he wants us to be. I get passionate about these things, Jeff, (laughs) because I want people to understand you can be free from illusion, deception, and deceit if you'll just understand what the scripture has to say. And that doesn't make you radical. In fact, I think all Christians should be activists, Jeff, in the sense that when we go out to the streets, when when you go out to an abortion clinic and you hold a sign of a a pre-born human being that's been savagely dismembered, limbs torn apart, you're preaching the gospel to men and women who are walking into that clinic because you're saying... God has said that all of life is an image bearer. Those preborn human beings are no more an image bearer in the womb than they are outside the womb. We're, we're preaching the gospel that the sanctity of human life is important. God has established that sanctity. And so we should be activists. When we go to LGBT parades and, and we try to engage them and say, listen, God didn't create you that way. We're preaching the gospel to them that God made them male and female. God made us heterosexual. And any kind of other sexual proclivities, these desires, and doesn't mean orientation, all of those things fall under what God calls an abomination. And it's our responsibility to tell people that, to save them from what's coming. Because if they don't bow the knee to the Lord Jesus, Jeff, then the scripture says they remain under the wrath of God. that means they'll bust hell's gates wide open. It's not being hateful to tell people the truth, folks. It's the most loving thing that we can do.
0: Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And I think that one of the things that goes along with that, too, that I think that the church is missing in general right right now is that it's like we, we separate out, quote unquote, Christian life and church life from real life. And I think that it becomes this, we have these theological discussions. We're going to split hairs, see how many angels fit on the head of a nail or whatever, whatever it's, whatever, you know, image you want to put. They're splitting every single little theological hair. We got to get down to every single little jot and tittle and things like that. But then all of a sudden it's like we're not supposed to take that belief system and apply it into everyday real life. And I think like Jesus clearly said, we're supposed to be a light shining in darkness. But how, how are we as Christians supposed to be light shining in darkness if we're not involved where the lost are? If we're not involved in po- – like, Christians are always complaining about how horrific politics are. We're always complaining about how horrific Hollywood is. We're always complaining about how, how horrific all these things are. But maybe that's more of an indictment on us not getting involved in, in preaching the truth in those arenas more than it is in how evil they are. Clearly, they're evil. But maybe it's more of an indictment on us for not actually be light shining in that darkness.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I say this often. If, if we're not willing to get involved, we have no room for criticizing. You can't criticize if you're not going to get involved. Be a part of the solution. That's, that's the saying, right? Yeah. Don't, don't be a, the pro- Silence is consent, folks. Silence is consent when we say nothing. When we don't get involved in trying to to push things to a godly situation or solution, then we are part of the problem. Clearly,
0: yeah. Now, 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 kind of like shifting a little bit, but you know, getting back into you know politics a little bit. How do you like as a as a Christian as a pastor? How do you feel like our government and maybe even more specifically somebody like Trump is actually handling? a lot of these issues that are coming up because of like coronavirus and that sort of thing because you know I'm talking to a lot of different Christians and there's a lot of concerns about about Trump and his reaction and that it, that it doesn't seem like he's being very quote unquote const, like a constitutional conservative in his reaction but then I'm hearing other people and they're they're praising him for it. So what's your take on on his response from more of a constitutional side and Christian side of things to like the coronavirus?
1: Yeah. So I think uh, from what I've observed, Jeff, um, Trump is being very measured and he's he's allowing, which which obviously we won't know this for certain because that's in the past, but the previous regime would have handled this much differently. It would have been a top-down, totalitarian, tyrannical approach, which... To your earlier point, would have really robbed us of freedoms immediately. It, it would have been the the the, new, the Your own governor and, and Cuomo in New York. It would have been that solution: total lockdown, nobody goes anyplace. We're going to, you know, Trump is trying to push this back to the states, and and in my view, that is the constitutional thing to do. This isn't a national emergency. It's okay. We can call it a health emergency. For the sake of discussion, it certainly isn't a national emergency. Now, there'll be Christians disagree with me on that, and that's fine. But there are many states where there isn't an outbreak of this, and there won't be unless somebody goes there with the purpose and intent of causing an outbreak. So to declare a national emergency, that is overreach. And I think Trump is trying to give a measured approach, and he's let the governors know, listen, you need to do what's best for the citizens of your state, and that's why we're seeing this this reaction from different states. I just heard um, today that Indiana had gone to a to a stay-at-home uh, situation. We did that. Well, it actually takes effect uh, midnight tonight uh, here in Ohio. Um, so I don't find fault with Trump, with except maybe perhaps this. Um, He's leaning a little bit too much. I've got an issue with – is it Dr. Fucci? Mm -hmm. Is that his his name? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I've got a little bit of an issue uh, with him um, and some of his pronouncements. uh, And I think we need to be very, very careful um, about allowing the government to take away our freedoms because, as Jeff's already said, folks, those things are hard to get back. The government rarely rescinds anything. It, it almost always stays in place, and then they don't talk about it, and then they move on to other things. And here we are, saddled with this new restriction on our freedom already under the Patriot Act and some other things that, that have already passed. And folks, you know this. You, you, you listen to Jeff on a regular basis. You already know this. You're educated people. There are no secrets you have no secrets today. Your correspondence and communication is already housed in a database, and they comb through that whenever they want to. They've got algorithms that look for key words and phrases. You have no secrets. You have no secrets personally, familiarly. You have no secrets financially. Health-wise, there's no such thing as confidentiality today. Well, believe it or not, it could get worse. So here's here's what we should be on the lookout for, Jeff. We should be on the lookout for any um, proposed legislation in Washington D.C. or any of the states in which you live in, folks, that wants to put into place uh, surveillance systems, surveillance cameras um, to track. Listen, it's to track your whereabouts. They will track by license plate, by pictures. Where you're at, what time of the day, and they'll begin to put together this information. We shouldn't allow that to happen in a free society. And it's not for our safety. They always sell that for safety, don't they, Jeff? Everything they do to take our freedoms is always for our own good and our own safety. That's a lie right out of the, right out of the pits of hell and smells like smoke. It isn't about your safety. It's about their control. Fear is the currency of control, but courage exalts. Christ, let us re- let us remember that as Christians, Jeff.
0: Yeah. Now, now I feel like one of the responses that I hear from from a lot of Christians into uh, into a lot of this like government oversight and taking away our rights and things like that is they'll say, "Well, if I don't have anything to hide." Then why should I be concerned that the government has access to my text messages or my phone records or my internet or whatever it is? It's like if I'm being on the up and up and I'm being a good godly Christian, I've got nothing to hide. So why, why should that be my, why should that be a concern that the government has access to essentially all of my information?
1: Well, the fact that you're a good godly Christian and the government knows that should cause you concern right off the bat because when they start rounding us up, Guess who's going to be on the list? You. Listen, if you don't understand that our government is in this present day the spirit of Antichrist, then I don't know how to help you. The spirit. Of, read First John chapter 4. It, it talks about the spirit of Antichrist. Who is it that is the spirit of Antichrist, but he who denies it, that Jesus came in the flesh. Do you understand that all these things that's going on in our government today... Here's the bottom line, Christian, who think you're squeaky clean, so you got nothing to worry about. That's not the point. The point is that the world, the U.S. government, as part of this world globalist system, they are coming against the church. They are coming against the church. I've said this for years. Many of my friends have said this, and it still falls on deaf ears, Jeff. Hate speech legislation was created, enacted, and passed for pastors and for the church and they will they're waiting for the right case do you think that uh it just came to mind hey we need to have a, a supreme court decision to allow women to uh murder their pre-born children when uh when 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 Jane Doe Come on, no, it didn't. they have been planning that for years. Smaller court decisions led up to they found a perfect example, a perfect case to take to the Supreme Court and get this passed. This is what they're doing concerning Christianity and the church. We are in the bullseye, folks. We are in the bullseye. It's already happening in other places around the world. The church is always the goal. Remember what Jesus said, Jeff? Jesus said, I came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the, what is the works of the devil? To try and destroy God's church, God's people. That's what Satan is trying to do in our day. And so to think that, well, if the government has all my information, if I live a good, clean life, it doesn't matter. That's not the point. You're added to a list. And besides that, why would you ever think it's a good thing for the government to know anything about you other than what is absolutely necessary? Why would you allow them to know who your husband is and where he works and what his medical records are? Why would you allow them to know the names of your children, the, their birth dates, and what activities they're doing online? Why would you be okay with the government knowing all of these things about you? That's not freedom, brothers and sisters. That is soft tyranny. And we should object to that most strenuously, Jeff.
2: yeah
0: and and i and I think that one of the things to remember too is that um like when we're talking about uh you know essentially Satan working in the world and the spirit of antichrist is that you know looking at everything historically, and I think I mentioned this to you last time that that you were on as well. But looking at everything historically, we've always seen Satan is always trying to establish his earthly kingdom. You look at, you look at history, he's always tried to conquer the world, whether it was Nazi Germany, whether, I mean, even looking at Great Britain, Great Britain was so close to having a one world government for the longest time. The Roman Empire, like every single empire you, you see they got close. And then every single time God's like, you know what? It's not time for the tribulation. It's not time for end times prophecy. So we're going to, we're going to take it back a notch, right? But I feel like right now we're in that kind of battle of are we going to go over that tipping point into end times or is God, is, or is God saying, okay, it's time to take it back a notch. It's not now, you know, and I feel like the 2016 election was really that really line in the sand of, okay, are we going towards full on globalism and a one world government or are we not? Trump gets elected, it seems like it's not, but they're still pushing forward. They still got a chance to do it. And that's why we got to remember we are in a battle over essentially that spirit of Antichrist. And as Christians, we've got to be ready to, to, go, to go to battle, not necessarily a physical war, but it's a spiritual one. And we got to remember that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. <laughs> so, again, that brings us right back full circle, Jeff, to the importance of understanding the scriptures to the importance of knowing what the Bible has to say. Prophecy, eschatology, the the study of of future things is in such disrepair, disrepute among so many believers today. Um, Even in my own, and I hate using this word, I hate using this word, but I'm going to use it because people understand it. Even in my own tribe. (laughs) Forgive me, I hate using that word, but people under millennials understand that exactly. My own flavor, yeah. My own lane. We have people that say, "Well, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be teaching the Old Testament. You shouldn't be teaching prophecy because that people can't understand it. Well, they can understand it if you explain it. But well, we shouldn't be teaching that because that's all doom and no, it isn't. Are you kidding me? The Bible says that Christ and His return is our great hope. <laughs> it's our great hope. We're supposed to be constant, living as if his return could be at any moment. The expectancy of Christ's return should give us great hope to overcome these present difficulties. We should know, listen, as long as we're here, the scripture says, Luke chapter 10, we are to occupy until he comes. We are to stand our ground and we are to take offensive action as the Lord leads us until he returns. It's the same thing. We celebrate that every time we receive from the Lord's table Jeff when when we look at first Corinthians chapter 11 and we read down uh, verses 23 through about verse 27 Jesus said, this is my body given for you this is my blood given for you do this and as often as you do it do it in remembrance of me well what did that what does that include? that includes Jesus's promise Matthew 28. That he goes in John 14, that he goes and prepares a place for us, but, but Matthew chapter 28, that he's coming again. But until he does, go out and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them what I taught you. That's what we're supposed to be doing right now. And you can't do that if you don't understand what the Word of God says. Prophecy is a big part of that. And I'm not saying far fetched out there, you know, in Pluto prophecy, because there's a look, I'll be the first one to admit. There's a lot of, well, how could I term it, silliness out there. Let's make sure we keep it rooted in the scriptures, okay? Let's make sure we stay on the tracks, keep it rooted in the scriptures. We don't need any far-fetched, far-flung ideas and theories and all of that. Just teach what it says. And what it says is this, Jeff. Christ is coming again. That day or that hour, no man knows, but the Father, the scripture says, but I think we're getting close to that day, and because that is the case, we should be living our lives with expectancy, with a degree of joy and, and, and eagerness to be out telling people about Jesus. This is the in the midst of, of this pandemic, folks. In the midst of this this darkness that has come over the United States of America, people are looking for hope. They are. And we have the message of hope. We need to share what we know from the scriptures to point people to Jesus. Because Jesus saves Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, pagans, heathens, moral people, immoral people. Jesus saves homosexuals. He saves drug addicts. He saves saves adulterers. He saves. Jesus saves. It's not our point to say someone's unredeemable. Let's reach them Oh, that's what I say, Jeff.
0: Yeah. And, and I think going along with that as well, I think that that needs to be a reminder that we're, to, we're that we are to go out into the world. And I, and I yes. think that part, part of the problem too, and I, you know, again, not trying to rag on the church so much, but at a at same point, there is some major issues with mainstream evangelicalism is that they've, what's been taught and reinforced to people is that evangelism is inviting your friend to church. And then the church has become this, outreach event in order to suck them in and keep them in in the church. So then it becomes entertainment. Then it becomes all these things. Like historically and biblically, the church is supposed to be for believers gathering together to learn, train up, fellowship, and then we send you out into the world. But for whatever reason, this uh, pietistic, you know, ideology has completely uh, turned that backwards into where we're not involved in the world at all. We're only involved in church, and then we're demanding that the world comes into the church, which is, then is warping the church, and it's this whole big thing. I think that th- that a lot of what you're talking about is like we need to actually go out into the world with the gospel because here's the thing. If the gospel is true, which we know it is, if the Bible is true, which we know it is, then our principles should be able to work in the world and in politics and in government because it's true. And that's what we need to remember. We can't separate everything out. It's all. It all needs to be influenced by our faith. And I think that moving forward, in light of Christ could be returning at any moment, we should be out there in the world being a light even more, not just focused on "quote unquote" inviting our friends to church.
1: Amen. That hearty amen and amen, Jeff, to all of that. The church assembled is the body of Christ, and we come together for edification, for encouragement, for exhortation, for equipping to go out. Evangel- Listen, folks. <laughs> Evangelism might, maybe, could be serving at a soup kitchen if you're sharing Christ. It's certainly demonstrating the love of Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm not arguing that point. But to Jeff's point that I want to emphasize is this. The gospel is preached in the world. The church doesn't need to hear the gospel preached every week. They know what the gospel is. They're born again. They need to be encouraged, edified, equipped to go out. And what's it say in Ephesians? To do the ministry. That's why we have our gatherings is to worship the Lord, to offer our praises of thanksgiving, and then to be encouraged and edified and equipped so that we can go out. The gospel is preached to the lost. And there are many different ways to do that, folks. I'm not saying that you all have to be activists, that you all have to go to parades or abortion clinics, or you have to go here or here or here and pro no, 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 no. It can be evangelists can happen. You're standing at a meat counter and you're ordering a steak, and that person that's 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 waiting on you asks a question and you see that door just wide open because the Lord is saying, There you go, son, there you go, daughter. Give them some hope. And so you share Jesus right there in the middle of the grocery store. Evangelism can happen any place. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And right now, in these dark days, and I'll characterize them that way because of the fear porn that's being being pushed out upon us. Those of us who have the living Christ in us, that know our blessed hope, that understand what the scripture says, that the days are going to grow dark. They're going to grow very, very troubling. We should be out there sharing the greatest hope that mankind has ever heard, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Now, now, kind of
0: as as we're wrapping up as well. But if 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 you wanted to give one message to people that are watching this, and you know maybe they live in a state like I am where we're on complete like lockdown, shutdown. You're not able to leave the house. You know things can, things can seem depressing because it seems like the whole world is caving in. If you give one message to pe- to people specifically like believers about how d- how to get through all this chaos, what would that be?
1: Yeah. It would be this. Utilize social media right now. Go live from your own home. You've got all kinds of quote unquote friends and connections on social media platforms. Start telling your friends, hey, Jesus is coming. The things Jeff and I have been talking about, you, if you're brave, invite some neighbors to come down and join you and have a Bible study. But I think in California, even that, they've said, don't even do that, I think. Yeah. Here in Ohio, we can get away with that. Now, I don't know how long, but use social media. Press the message of Jesus. Technology, listen, For all of its flaws, it is still a wonderful tool to reach the masses. So get out there and do something live just like Jeff and I are doing right now. Get out there and preach Jesus and reach people for Christ. Yeah. Amen. And so, well,
0: you know, I really appreciate you coming on. I really, I always enjoy our conversations. It's always fascinating. And I feel like it, it's really easy to get into topics that maybe, you know, with somebody else we wouldn't necessarily get into, but it's, it always makes for a, for a fun conversation and, and, uh, totally like a, a great like intellectual exercise just to like be going through this and like talk through all this. So I really appreciate you coming
1: on. Well, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it, and uh, and, and I do. I, I'm encouraged by our conversations, and I hope those that have joined us today are encouraged as well. Yeah. And so, so if
0: people want to, you know, f- follow more about what what you're talking about, your shows, you know, things like that, what's the best way for people to keep in touch with you and uh, be able to follow you for some of the, some more information
1: on some of the stuff we've been talking about? Yeah. So remember, um, what's the date? April fourteenth. April fourteenth, right here on G- the GK platform. Ask Dr. Mike. So that'll be the 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 uh, rollout of that program. Um, Dr. Mike live is Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, the show tonight. Uh, in fact, I'm having and, and this is this is the Lord's timing, Jeff. If you don't mind me plugging it, this Go is for the it. Lord's. It's, it's just amazing uh, in the midst of all this because I had scheduled this out a couple of months ago, uh, but tonight I've got Dr. Greg... Jance coming on, Dr. Greg Jance, and his book is Healing Depression for Life. So we're going to be talking about people's, uh, mental health, their well-being. And Dr. Jance is a believer, so he doesn't, he's not talking about, uh, Freudian psychology and all this stuff. He's talking a holistic approach to good mental health. Body, soul, mind. So tonight, 6 o'clock Eastern Time, Dr. Mike Live, it's on Facebook. You can go to dlmikelive.com for that. Soaring Eagle Radio is another platform. It's an interview platform. I just had Dr. Andy Woods on, Jeff, our mutual friend, and and uh, we were discussing his book, Ever Reforming, um, and uh, uh, the thetransformingword.com. That's kind of the umbrella Website for most of what I'm doing, and and uh, and I pastor Calvary Chapel here in Lima, Ohio. So
0: yeah, very good. And then for anybody that wants to start s- submitting questions, because again, w- what we're going to be doing for the show, ask Dr. Mike, is we're going to be taking your questions, and then we're going to be asking uh, Mike live on the show. And he, and we're, and then we're going to have a conversation over some of your questions. And so it's going to be really interesting, really fascinating. If you have any questions, you guys can submit them to, uh, the GK's email, which is gatekeepersonline at gmail.com. Again, gatekeepersonline at gmail.com. Submit your questions now. Um, you know, and then uh, coming up on April 14th, uh, I believe we're going to do 11 o'clock in the morning Pacific time. So that would be two o'clock Eastern. Uh, we're going to be doing a live stream here on Facebook and I'm just going to ask him these questions live and we're gonna just have a good conversation. And so just make sure you guys submit that. And then what we're going to do is I believe we're going to try to do the second Tuesday of every month. We're going to do another episode of uh, ask Dr. Mike and it's just going to be a fun conversation and that sort of thing. So again, I'm really, I'm really glad to bring you on to the uh, the GK podcast network
1: and uh as, as the, as the newest uh podcaster. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about it because I think it, It it, it meets a need that's out there, as we were talking earlier. I think it it, it meets a a very critical need, in fact, uh, to to maybe raise uh, biblical literacy and and help people to understand what the Scripture actually teaches.
0: Definitely. Definitely. So make sure you guys uh, submit your questions. Again, April 14th, 11 o'clock Pacific time. Also, as a reminder as well, I'm going to be back tomorrow. We're going to have two separate shows tomorrow. One, we're going to do Conversations with Jeff. We're going to have on J.D. Rucker from Knock Report. Uh, we're gonna going to be going 2.30 p.m. Pacific time. Then at five o'clock, we're going to do our very first episode of Connected, which is, which is going to be our first uh, monthly roundtable podcast. Uh, it's going to be featuring uh, myself, Dustin Faulkner, Schumann, and Sam Jones. And we're just literally just going to have. Conversation with the four of us, see what kinds of chaos and craziness we can talk about. And uh, that's just going to be fun. Again, with that, we'll be right here on Facebook. You guys can submit questions uh, during the comments, during the live stream. We may ask them, you know, help us with topics, ideas. Again, it's just a free-for-all conversation. It'll be a lot of fun. And then what will happen is the recording for that will be exclusively for members of Plugged In. Uh, so anybody can watch the live stream, but the recording will only be for members of Plugged In. So you guys, you uh, if you guys want to get plugged in, go to com slash plugged in. Again, if you sign up for the annual membership, get a copy of Social Injustice. I'll get that mailed right out to you. But again, thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with JD and then tomorrow night with Connected. Um, just going to keep putting out more content. Uh, stay involved in the conversation and we will see you guys tomorrow. Thank <laughs> you.